So I want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning, and thank you to those who have led us in worship today. It is just such a rich blessing to serve alongside people that can help us connect with God and with each other. So I would ask you this question today, who is your favorite teacher of all time? Well, mine is my second grade teacher, Mrs. Osterman. Now, I loved Mrs. Osterman for a lot of reasons, and I probably shouldn't tell you that every time they ask for a security question, who's your favorite teacher, I always put Mrs. Osterman. But then I thought, well, who are some other favorite figures in our life, authority figures or mentoring figures, teaching figures, and of course, during an election season, who is your favorite president of all time? Well, if you look at the listings, almost always people will rank George Washington and Abraham Lincoln at the top of the list, and then everyone else kind of falls out somewhere under that. And when I think about Abraham Lincoln, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting for us to, you know, explore a little trivia? Like, how many known assassination attempts were made on his life? Well, if you do the research, according to some history sites and the Smithsonian, most of them land on five, five known assassination attempts. This all started four score and 80 years ago. 160 years ago, this month, he won the election on November the 6th. He announced that, and they began to prepare, and he was living in Springfield, Illinois, and the mail was pouring into the local post office. At one point, they said that he would go to the, to the, to the post office, and it was icy, it was cold, this was Springfield, Illinois, and he would literally take like a laundry basket, like a bushel basket for all of the mail. Eventually, he hired a secretary whose name was John Nikolai, and John Nikolai began to help Lincoln go through his mail. John Nikolai wrote later how tragic that experience was. Because in the mail to someone who had not yet even gone through his own inauguration, there were relentless threats on his life of all kinds. Vitriol, hatred, accusations, and he hadn't even served a day as president. This is all prior to the Civil War. This is all prior to him being president. But I want you to listen right out of John Nikolai's journal to his observation of the president. Nikolai wrote, but he had himself, speaking of Lincoln, so sane a mind and a heart so kindly even to his enemies that it was hard for him to believe in political hatred so deadly as to lead to murder. 
They relate another assassination attempt later on when he remarked after he'd been shot at. Lincoln said, it must have been an accident. Surely no one would intentionally shoot at me so as meaning to kill me. Oh, no. Lincoln was smart. Lincoln was observant. Lincoln was intuitive. It wasn't that Lincoln didn't know the situation he was in. He was astute about the condition of our nation. His, one of his most famous speeches, the Gettysburg Address, actually launches this powerful question as to whether or not a nation birthed the way our nation was birthed, not in actuality, but in the ideal. Could a nation like that long endure? He knew his circumstances. But one of the things that Lincoln does for us is he highlights a question. And this might be the most important question of 2020 leading into 2021. It might be the most important question for our nation right now. It might be the most important question for our church right now. It might be the most important question for your family right now. And it might be the most important question you need to ask yourself. So, what is that question? What question would arise in 2020 that would mirror the questions of 1860? Well, the divisiveness in the land was astounding. People couldn't believe how relationships had disintegrated border states like Tennessee and Kentucky, where families were rent asunder, some taking up with the North, some taking up with the cause of the South. And here they were, families torn apart. We know what that feels like. We know what it feels like for families, churches, communities, and the nation to be stretched to the edges of polarization. Yes, there is a question. And that's the question that Lincoln helps us answer. The question is this. Can the nation be fully known and fully loved? You see, what John Nikolai's observations bring out, what Lincoln's comments bring out, is that even in the face of attempts on his life, Lincoln did not descend into the abyss of hatred and contempt for the nation. In fact, he believed with all of his heart that even if he had to give his life, the nation was worth being loved. You say, well, why would you bring that up at the beginning of, of a sermon? Well, because we are in a series called Restore, Making Home Feel Like Home Again. The series is coming from the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is a figure like Lincoln. 
Nehemiah is someone who is called upon in the midst of a tremendous crisis to come and help his nation. Nehemiah was beloved by some, believed in by some, but hated by others. Some thought of him as a savior, and some thought of him as sinister. Some believed he could do the job, and others were committed to everything they could do to stop him from doing his job. Nehemiah had actually not lived in Israel. He wasn't, his family was from there, his ancestors were from there, but he was born in captivity. He was born in Persia. There was a sense that he was both an insider because he was Jewish, but he was an outsider because he hadn't actually lived there. When he came in and began to inspect what was happening, and in chapter 2 he says, you see the trouble we're in, how this city is broken down and we live in disgrace. Some might have thought, well, that's easy for you to say. You haven't been here trying to rebuild it. But you see, Nehemiah wasn't there to do something for Nehemiah. Nehemiah was there because God laid the project on his heart. When God laid that project on his heart, back in chapter 1 where we studied a few weeks ago, the first thing Nehemiah did was tell the truth about his nation, his ancestors, his own family, and himself. He knew that you could be fully known and still fully loved. What he modeled for us was the imperfections and the sins and the mistakes and even the wickedness. Yeah, he, he uses that term, even the wickedness of his people and their ancestors did not disqualify them from being the people of God. It did not negate their mission. And he believed that with all his heart. In rebuilding the wall, they had to fill the gaps, and we looked at this last week. But I want you to notice that as they filled the gaps, they met the troubles. As they were making progress, as their progress increased, resistance increased, my Bible is open to Nehemiah chapter 4. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 4, it begins with telling us where the resistance came from, some of the people that were enemies to the project and Nehemiah. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as fire as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, one of Sambalat's associates, who was at his side, says, What they're, they're building? Even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones. Now, that word feeble is only used one time in the whole Hebrew Bible. It means that these people, like, don't have strong muscles, that their joints are, like, made of wax. 
He said these people are so weak themselves that they're not up for the project. And then he says the stones themselves are like they're dead. These were limestones burned by fire. They could easily turn to rubble. So he says not only are the people not up to the task, but even their resources are insufficient for the job. So what do you do? What do you do when someone begins to ridicule you? What do you do when someone begins to cause trouble for you? What do you do when someone comes at you trying to get you to step back from restoring the nation, restoring the church, restoring the community, and restoring your family? Well, Nehemiah had to make a choice, and Nehemiah made a good one. Notice what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 4. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, and the people worked at it with all their hearts. But his enemies weren't done. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arab, and, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble for us. But we prayed to our God. And we posted a guard night and day to meet this threat. Now, I want you to think about what Nehemiah is modeling for us. He does not ignore the sins of his own people. But he knows that God still loves his people. And Nehemiah models that even a people that were broken by their own sin can be rebuilt, can be redeemed, and can be restored. When the enemies say, even their stones are dead, they don't know that they're dealing with Almighty God, whom through His Spirit can breathe life back into dead bones. It's God that's breathing life into the people of Israel. God that's bringing life back into those stones. It is God to whom they look, and it is God who sustains them. You see, people who want us to believe that we have to outrun our past, hide our past, edit our past, they don't know the God we serve. Our past does not disqualify us, and it certainly doesn't take the life out of us. By the Spirit of God, we can be revived, restored, resurrected, renewed. Do you believe that? Can a church be fully known for all of its troubles, all of its heartaches, all of its difficulties, all of its mistakes, all of its sins, and still be loved. Do we believe that God is still mightily at work? I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. 
as one of our ministers, Ken Snell, challenged us with this upcoming One Heart contribution. It was all about our vision, all about what we're committed to do in the community, all about the lives that we want to interact with for the glory of God. We will not step back from the project just because Satan wants to intimidate us by all that's going on in the world. No. We're not afraid of our past, but listen, brothers and sisters, we're not afraid of the future. And because of the Spirit of God within us, we will not let fear get the best of us in the present. Oh, I know it's hard. There are many things to fear. The rising number of COVID, the distress we see, the wonderment about the economy. I didn't say we wouldn't face fear. Because part of what's modeled with the people of Israel is they had to go through the troubles in order to close the gaps. Whatever gaps there are in your faith this morning, let God lead you to close those gaps. Trust the God who knows what to do with your past even when you don't. Trust the God that already has the future laid out and trust the God that can give you courage in the present. Do you believe that your family can be fully known and fully loved? Do you believe that you can be fully known and fully loved? One of my most embarrassing experiences as a young adult was having to have my dad stand with me in a courtroom when I was 19. My challenges with the law had been building. And by the time I got to that particular court date, I was in a lot of trouble. There we stood before the judge. It was my turn to face the charges. The judge at one point started looking at my father and talking to him, but I know that judge was talking to me. The judge said to my dad, on behalf of the city of Portland and Multnomah County, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry that you had to be saddled with a son like this. I got to tell you, I'll never forget those words. Something snapped in me. Something broke in me. Something finally came crashing down in me. I knew the judge was right. My dad didn't deserve to be there. I should have never put anybody through that. I was in trouble because of my own troubles. The judge levied the fine, told me when I would ha- what I would have to do in the future in light of the charges. We went. I had to pay the fine. That's something my dad was not going to do. But we walked out into the rain We walked down to a little restaurant in downtown Portland. It was cold because of the rain. We sat down, and here's what he said. He said, you need to know that no matter what happened in that courtroom, I love you today, I've always loved you, and I always will. Now, see, because of the setting, I couldn't hide what had happened. So I was fully known 
and fully loved. And through the love of that earthly father, I was introduced to the love of our heavenly father. I believe with all my heart that God loves you. He fully knows you and that you can know you and be fully loved. That you can know your family and fully love your family, know your church and fully love your church, know your country and fully love your country. I believe that. I believe it because that is what God has done for me and that's what he wants to do for you. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Again, we're the Simmons family and we are so happy that you've been here. Um, we know that that was an uplifting worship and we want to encourage you, if you're ready to take your next step in your faith walk and you're with us live on lovefirst.org, then there should be a button for next steps. Go ahead and click that and somebody will reach out and will help you in your next steps. You don't have to do this alone. Um, if you're watching this in some other way or watching this later than um, uh, November 29th, then go ahead and go to our website, lovefirst.org. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a um, take a step of faith button. Click on that and it'll take you to the same place where somebody will reach out and help you along your journey. Um, if you are with us live in uh, the next few minutes, uh, we're going to start Bible classes at 11.15. So just stick right here with us and we'll switch you over to that. Um, and uh, we, if you're watching this later, then we hope that you have a great week. Uh, we're, so, we're so thankful that you're here and uh, we love you guys and uh, we're thankful that you're our family. Bye.